Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live, this is Across the Cavs, hosted by yours truly, Zach Weiss. For today's show, Dan Jelinski and Justin Matcham join. We talk about the Cavs-Raptors game, some things to come, Delavadova, Hartenstein, and more. We hope you enjoy the program. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Does this voice sound familiar to you? It probably doesn't. It's Zach Weiss, by the way. It's 1029 on April 10th. It's been a while, but we're back. Cross the Cavs. And literally, the name of the show sums up the evening. The Cavs went from one side of the rainbow to the other. They were on the bad side. They were down 38. Then all of a sudden, they saw a pot of gold. They started getting hot. They cut that deficit to 12. Colin Sexton, if his layup doesn't get blocked on the fast break, they cut it to 10. Raptors called timeout. Who knows what would have happened? Got to be proud of the effort. It does not matter that the Raptors were down. Lowry, Siakam, and Van Vliet. What matters is that the Cavs took an insurmountable deficit and almost came back. Remember when the Kings were down 35 to the Bulls in 2009? Almost nobody remembers that. Tyreek Evans was a big part of that comeback. And they came back from 35 down. I really thought the Cavs were going to do it. Obviously, you know, it didn't happen like that, but they fought. Here to talk about that game and some other Cavs-related things, Dan Jelinski and Justin Matcham of King – Justin from uh, Cavalier Central Pod, Dan of King James Gospel. Welcome, guys. Happy to be here, Zach. I know uh, we had some difficult, technical difficulties throughout the night, but uh, happy that we're making it work. And Dan, glad to have you as well. Always, always, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. You know, it's great to get all three of us in the same room. We last talked during the Delavadova episode, and guys, he looks pretty good, right? Dan Delavadova before tonight had 22 assists without a turnover and 49 minutes of action. So it's safe to say that all those times I was hyping him up and saying how good they could be with him on the court wasn't just me defending my my favorite player, huh? Yeah, um, he's he's kind of that, as, as I like to say, kind of like a shot of adrenaline just from the ball movement standpoint. Um, the energy he provides is is undeniable, even at, at this age um, and kind of the backbone of his career. Um, just you just know what you're going to get, and the off ball stuff when he's in there is is definitely um, on display often. And Justin, what have your thoughts been uh, on the Aussie? He's the only Aussie left. They don't have Thon. They don't have Dante Exum, but they got the man Matthew still here. Finally healthy after missing the first 47 games of the season. And you know what? I'll say this. I was watching the Raptors broadcast tonight. Matt Devlin said uh, in the first quarter, it's great to see Denley back. So everybody missed him across the league. He did say that. I was watching the uh, Toronto broadcast as well. Um but, yeah, it, it's great to have him back out there, obviously. And I think they, they kept the most important off, so that's something to be thankful for. But, yeah, I mean, tonight was a little bit of a rough night for him. It was a little bit of a rough night for a lot of guys. Um, it's a shame that the infinite assist-to-turnover ratio is now gone. He did end up having two tonight. But, you know, looking at, you know, his, his return in general since he's been back in action, uh, you know, you'd mentioned kind of just that shot in the arm of adrenaline. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, Obviously, you know, he, he, he is still physically limited in some ways. I mean, he's an undersized, not super athletic guard. He, that's always been the case. 
Um, at this point in his career, you know, his body's broken down a little bit, but still just so impactful just with his playmaking ability and his IQ and the way he reads the game, just the, the pure, you know, hustle and effort that he has, um, you know, continuing to come in and move the ball as well as he does and just make those, you know, those hustle plays. I think it's really elevated the game of Isaac Okoro. I think it's, you know, it's really important that he can play next to either Darius or Colin uh, and he elevates their games as well. Um, you know, we haven't seen him really with Jared Allen yet. I think that'll be a really fun two-man game. I think we'll see a lot of lobs there. So, yeah, really, really happy to have Matthew Delvin over back, even if tonight wasn't his best game. No, it wasn't. But, you know, all legends have off days. You know, he says he's always going to be a legend for his effort in the finals, no matter what happens. And, look, this is across the Cavs. There's a lot we're going to talk about with the Cavs. Justin, we'll start with you then, Dan. Gary Trent Jr., 17-19, and 7-9 from three. Uh, Dan had, had the stat for us right before we started, 7-8 of eight, uh, on shots between 25 and 29 feet. And just for reference, for any of us, if we go shoot in our local park to three-point lines about, what, 21 and a half, 22 feet, if that, top of the key. Trent is three feet beyond that, or, or three to seven feet. He had seven of eight. Justin, he was nuts, and I think that he might finally get his comeuppance because he's been doing this for a long time, and I don't think anyone's taken note until maybe right now. Yeah, if you had made me guess out of, you know, everybody who played in this game tonight, obviously the Raptors were without Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, uh, Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, so they were limited in that respect. Uh, if, if you look at any of the other guys, you have Malachi Flynn, who did play really, really well tonight, um, OG Ananobi, uh, you know, a couple other guys. But I think Gary Trent Jr. is the guy here who has, you know, the, the most potential to kind of go off for one of these scoring nights. Uh, that being said, I did not expect him to shoot 17 for 19 from the field tonight. I didn't expect him to make seven threes, I think. It mentioned that, you know, one of those missed threes was kind of just a heave that was, you know, not really expected to go in anyway. But, yeah, I mean, just a tough, tough shot maker um, was ridiculous tonight, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, it was it was at all three levels as well. He got to the rim, he kind of operated in that, that mid-range area and got some buckets that way. And then, obviously, you know, he bombed away from three as well. So, yeah, I, I don't expect to see anything like this again from him anytime soon. Uh, this may go down as the best game in Gary Trent's career, but it's certainly something he's capable of. Yeah, no, no doubt. If he was playing with the Raptor or with the Blazers in the bubble and CJ or Dame was out, I have no doubt, no question he would step in, play 40 minutes and score 30. But uh, Dan, before we get back to the Cavs side, thoughts on Gary Trent Jr. doing something. His father, I don't even, I don't think Gary Trent Sr. ever made a three. He was a, he's a 6'10", 6'11", big guy. The only his only claim to fame, no disrespect to Pops, was being on the only Timberwolves team to ever advance out of the first round, being the backup center for the 0304 team. But thoughts on uh, on Trent Jr. tonight? Yeah, Justin really hit it. Um, really went nuclear. Nowhere else to put, or no way else to put it, I would say. And just yeah, just the shot making he has. Um, really is a guy, young guy in a, on an upward trajectory. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of ends or here, like going forward, how he kind of fits with them uh, long-term. One would think that's kind of their plans with him. Um, but yeah, just, he can get really hot. Uh, has, is Justin hit on is definitely a shot maker. Um, and his, his handle is just noticeably 
um, improved year to year. That's just pretty, pretty much showed um, to me tonight. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, he has caught some, some game and hopefully, you know, these teams do meet one more time. Let's hope that they're at full strength and Gary Trent's only playing 30 minutes instead of 40. Also shout out Malachi Flynn. He was on my fantasy team. I wish if he wasn't on my fantasy team, I, I was hoping he would go over a million, but 20 points, 11 assists, a couple steals to think that they still have Lowry and Van Vliet, but that, they basically kind of have what they had in 2019 now where they'll have next year, assuming Lowry's gone, they could even get trade value if they do a sign and trade. They'll have Flynn uh, and Van Vliet plus Trent. So they could probably start two of them, bring one off the bench if they're not all playing together. So just they're, they're building something special again. I don't know how trading Norman Powell could get you that, but uh, you got to give Masai Ujiri an additional raise. I know he makes a lot of money, but give him a raise. That was a great move. But on the Cavs side, guys, only one player that logged more than three minutes had a positive net rating. By the way, shout out Okoro, who had an even at plus zero. They were neutral when he was in. 12 points, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals, four blocks. Even made all four of his free throw attempts. He was plus one. Dan Isaiah Hartenstein who the Cavs got for JaVale McGee along with some picks is a young kid. Houston gave up on him because they went small. Denver just said, take him. We don't want him. We'll take JaVale. He was a monster tonight. And you know what? Six assists in back-to-back games. He had seven assists in his team debut. He's had double-digit rebounds twice. What more could you possibly want? Isaiah Arnstein, who isn't going to turn 23 for another four weeks, Looks like his future could very much be in Cleveland as they Jared Allen backup and fill in starter on some nights. Yeah. Um, you know, all that, I, I think his, his passing, I mean, there were flashes of it with Houston when he would be able to play in there. Um, also with Denver. And I, I think it was in like one of the I first like media availabilities with him. Um, he kind of touched on how, uh, obviously, he wasn't comparing himself to Jokic, um, but just being around him, that kind of um, a guy with that kind of vision, the, the skill he has, kind of the um, just awkward kind of deliveries on shots, but in a good way to keep guys off balance. You see some of that um, with him, some of those abilities. Um, I, I just, I think he's actually kind of shown flashes of like, driving ability too. I think he kind of takes guys kind of um, off guard in that way. Um, and, and I really like the touch he's shown as well, but um, clearly looks like way more, way more than a throw in piece right now to me. Yeah. I think uh, Justin, the Cavs traded for a player who happened to come with picks. I don't think that Hartenstein was a throw in at all. And I also think that uh, this is much better than when they acquired Marquise Chris two years ago. At the deadline to kind of be the defense. I think it's definitely, yeah, I think it's definitely better than the Marquis Chris experiment, uh, which, you know, at the time was a, a fair experiment to see if you had none. I think, you know, that's why you kind of take these low risk flyers, is one of them might end up like Isaiah Hartenstein. And we'll see if he can, you know, sustain the level of play that, you know, he's put up here as of late. But it is really, really promising stuff. You mentioned going four for four from the line tonight. That's something you like to see. He's, that's been one area where he has kind of struggled since joining this team. Uh, we, we continue to praise his passing ability. Um, something that I really did not expect to see from him, you know, coming in right away. 
being a guy who, as a backup center, you can kind of run offense through at this point, I think. I think it's fair to say. And again, he's not a Jokic-level passer. Nobody really is, I mean, at the center spot at least. But just the ability to always make the right read, uh, I think, is just so, so, so valuable. And again, tonight, you know, has six assists, uh, does some other things well. Again, you know, has, you know, a, a nice touch around the rim. And as you had mentioned, Dan, tonight, and it's granted, it is against Chris Boucher, who is one of the thinner centers that you're going to go up against, and, you know, probably easier to move in that way. Obviously, you know, good shot blocker, but as far as just somebody that you're able to move, sorry, I just heard my computer in the background. Um, but anyway, yeah, the driving ability tonight, you know, was on display. And again, it's like, we, we just have something new from this guy every night, it seems like, and, and, and in an impressive way. Um, so yeah, something that may have kind of looked like a throwing piece at the time has definitely turned into more than that. Um, super, super excited with Isaiah Hartenstein right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. I can't wait to see how his game grows. And speaking of, we're talking about his defense. Isaac Okoro only had two points, five boards, and three assists tonight. However, it was his play on the defensive end, guys, that really brought the team to life. You know, I did when the team was down 87-54 at the half. You know, the fact of the matter is the Cavs still managed to score 50-plus in the half, which is good for their offense. Defense was obviously not so good. It was, it was brutal. I mean, and nothing they could do. Toronto for, started the game 24 out of 31. That's just, you're playing your friends in 2K and your controller dies. They're just passing the ball to someone's open. That's exactly what kind of happened. And, you know, second half starts, still down big. Gary Trent made two threes out of the break. Uh, about three minutes later, it's still a 30-point game. A Coro coming up, blocks on an OB shot, pins it against the backboard, propels a 13-0 run. And, uh, Justin, my question for you uh, in regard to that is, are you surprised at all that it's a defensive play from the guy we drafted for defense in the lottery that, that made that kind of play? Because it's, of all guys, down 30, Okoro's the one you most want in a situation like that because you know he's still going to give 110% until the final whistle blows. Yeah, I mean, who else is Isaac, you know, to, to make a play like that? And, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there were struggles across the board on defense. I think Isaac, you know, was part of that. Um, especially looking at that first quarter, uh, just that how was it 87 points in the first half? Um, part of that was yes, you know, some some missed assignments and just overall a couple bad, you know, reads here and there. Uh, some of it was just ridiculously hot shooting from guys like Trent. Um, so yeah, not a good defensive showing in that first half, especially. But yeah, Isaac did kind of turn around in particular in that second half. Uh, obviously made the energy play that kind of sparked that little run to keep this game at least semi-close to where it was not, you know, something that was on track to be a 50-point blowout turned into a 20-point loss. Um, that, that could have been something less than that. Um, overall, yeah, I, I don't think you can take too much away from this Okoro game negatively. Um, I, I thought he was fine. Um, but back to kind of your question, yeah, I think who else are you going to have make a play like that? Um, and also, one thing I just want to mention real quick, and, and Dan, on, when we recorded our podcast, um, I know you've mentioned a couple times. I just want to mention that Isaac Okoro took a pull-up mid-range shot tonight. He yep. did do that. He missed it. But we saw him do something that I don't think we've ever seen from him before. You know why, Dan? You can answer, but I, I think it's because he's not uh, – he realizes that J.B. Bickerstaff is not Mike D'Antoni. 
I think he's like, oh, I can do that. He finally yeah. realized it. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, yeah, it's that's that's been or that was promising, I guess, in that way. Um, and it's it doesn't necessarily have to be like a straight pull up. It can't like you, I just like to see him kind of just take those kind of like 10, 11 foot floaters at times, just kind of like a little push shot where you can just just kind of work on getting that dead ball um, in there and or and or just aiming for the front of the rim with a little flick. I think just just taking those like semi regularly, even if it's just one a game. I think just the threat of it, it'll just allow them to utilize change of pace going to the basket um, and lead to more free throws countering off of that. Um, just those are just little intricacies that you just see um, from time to time. But I think another positive takeaway to me from Okoro lately is um, part of it's probably Delhi, um, his playmaking presence, but Okoro's offensive rebounding to me is, has been another kind of positive lately. Um, just, I mean, obviously he's not going to be, have this, the height of other threes when he's in there against threes, but, um, just seems to play the ball off the board. Well, um, had three offensive rebounds tonight. Um, and just his, I think those are just kind of manufactured plays for him, um, to just kind of get himself involved and seems to have good feel for finishing in those situations. Um, that, that's just kind of a little small thing that I've seen lately. Yeah, well said uh, on that, Dan. And, you know, Delhi being back obviously helps. Cora does a great job of getting the loose balls. And whereas centers go over the top to tap it out, Cora kind of gets the ball as it's halfway mm-hmm. between the rim and the ground and kind of pokes it to a teammate. And we saw that a right. couple times tonight to extend possessions. And the guy I want to talk about, I'll go first and pass to you guys, is Dean Wade, who – had some good moments, and then it seems apparently was cursed against the Heat. Uh, Eric Reed uh, and company in Miami would not say his name. Let's call him that guy because D Wade can't be D Wade. <laughs> uh, understandable, I guess. Although there's never been a D Wade that's been in the league and hasn't played for Cleveland. So who's the really superior franchise? The one that won two with LeBron, or the one that won the chip with LeBron? You know, let, let's 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 just say that. But Dean Wade you know, spent most of last year in the G League. This year, he, J.B. Bickerstaff used him, but he clearly wasn't happy about having to put him in games. All of a sudden, he's like, in the middle of a 10-game skit, what the heck? Puts him in the starting lineup against Indiana, it might have been. I might have been one of the games in the series. They won four in a row, that or three in a row, four in a row, four in a row that he started. And he was yeah, looking good. It was four. And he was shooting the three well. He he physically, you know, it's like he filled out nicely since he got to Cleveland. He can go up against other guys on the boards. He's got a good handle. And tonight he knocked in four more threes. And so I think he's been very good. I think that once everyone's healthy, we actually have a log jam. And I'm actually kind of I'm it's interesting because between love and Allen, who are going to presumably start, and then Wade, Nance, and Hartenstein, someone's got to be on the outside. And it would make sense that it's Dean Wade, although it would be very hard to see that. Probably means no more Lamar Stevens at all. And then I'm I'm intrigued, but guys, my question for you both, uh, Dan, we'll start with you. 
could the Cavs actually get all five in the middle of the rotation with Dean sliding to the three? Or is it just going to be – and hopefully, you no. Know, Larry lost a lot of weight with this illness. Hopefully, he, he's back soon. Hopefully, Jared Allen's back. I don't like that he's been out two weeks with a concussion now. But when they're all back, what's the situation with that, with the positions? Yeah, I think, well, initially, I think it's just with Nance and uh, Allen, I would think that they're going to play – it'll kind of gradually increase. Um, I, I wouldn't think that they'd be playing over half the game, say, like the first game they're back um, and or maybe the second. Um, but, yeah, we've seen Wade at times play like a jumbo three this year. Uh, I, I think we'll still see that just because of what he's been able to show when he's actually been given – regular run in this like fat last 15 games or so. Um, and a lot of it's because when he's been on the perimeter defensively, it actually held up well. And I think he's able to uh, use his, his length to kind of bother guys and cut off gaps a little bit. And um, also has rebounded the ball well um, defensively and is, is kind of an underrated passer in his own right. So I think they'll find a way to get him in there. Um, also runs the floor well, um, provides energy there. Does a really nice job as a trailer too. Um, but yeah, I think with them, it's just, you look at, they, they have to find a way to get him in there because Jetty has been a joke lately. Um, just exactly. not even not even playable right now. And yeah, with Lamar, you know, you kind of have in Lamar, he, he, he played a lot more than normally it, two ways would anyway. Um, I, I will have to go back or, see on that but also I mean Dylan Windler we don't really know exactly when he'll be back um and he's admittedly had been struggling so I, I think yeah there, there's a way they could get them all in there yeah I think at the end of the day my my what I'm what I'm picturing is a five-man bench lineup I guess when all is said and done it'll, going down the lineup it'll be Hardenstein at the five Nance at the four, Wade three, Prince two, Delhi one. And I think you can actually make that work. And you'll fill in Broderick or Lamar as needed, as foul troubles and, and other yeah. injuries might indicate. Justin, you know, my question for you actually is a little different here. This is more, you know, we've talked about a number of guys. We haven't talked about uh, the guys that uh, formulate the backcourt that rhymes with Flexland. It could be cool if it was Florland, it would be Flexland. Or if it was uh, Flexton. Nah, it's, it's Sexland. It's, it's what it is. Colin is averaging 33 against the Raptors. Darius Garland is averaging 33 against the Spurs. Is there any world, or 32 and a half against the Raptors, got to be exact. Is there any world where Colin Sexton gets to play every game against the Raptors and Darius Garland gets to play every game against the Spurs? Because I think when you got young guys that are showing out like that against those types of teams this year, I think we kind of wish we could see it every night. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'd be nice if that were the case. Uh, we also we got fortunate against the Spurs that Jonathan Murray wasn't playing, but uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I think they continue to look nice together. Um, Chris Fudor, I don't think it was this. It, it was I think the game before uh, against the Thunder ended a tweet with like with basically saying synergy. Unity, chemistry, sex land. I thought that was the perfect way to uh, kind of summarize what we've got there between those two guys. Yes. Um, 
obviously, well, just looking at those two in general, we'll see what the long-term fit ends up being. We'll see if they draft another guard in the draft. But right now, I don't think that you can be too upset with what you've got with the both of them. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Colin has generally played well against the Raptors. Obviously, Darius had a career night against the Spurs. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think uh, to answer your question, uh, no, I don't think that they can just exclusively play against those teams. Uh, but, oh, man. Yeah, I do oh. think that regardless of the matchups, uh, even on nights where one of them struggles, they, they do continue to play well off of each other. I think, and forgetting the first half of tonight's game, uh, I think that the defensive pairing, while it isn't great and while it hasn't been tested in the playoffs, um, has not been a total disaster. I think it's actually been pretty okay this year. Um, and if you don't mind me just kind of chiming in on the uh, the kind of center rotation Absolutely. conversation as well, um, I, I think a lot of it will be matchup dependent. Um, one, I, I do think that you have the luxury of Larry being capable of playing the three. So I think that'll help a lot when you're kind of trying to get everybody in. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of it this year just because we haven't seen a ton of Kevin Love. Uh, and Dean Wade has kind of filled into that role. Um, so we've seen it in those lineups. But when you have guys like Dean and uh, Larry who are, you know, positionally versatile, um, I think that you can make it work as far as getting them all in. And then as far as, you know, it is difficult to get all five of those guys in, but I think what we'll end up kind of seeing is, you know, against looking at Ben Slams in particular, against, you know, bigger, more traditional centers, I think we'll see a lot more Hartenstein um, against, you know, some smaller, more, you know, faster, you know, small ball lines. I think we'll see a lot more Dean Wade, Larry Nance, Kevin Love at the five. So uh, I, I think that they'll be able to incorporate all of them. Uh, unfortunately, that probably does squeeze out Lamar Stevens, who has had an inconsistent role as played anyway. But um, I, I think that they will make it all work. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And also, you know, tonight was a very rare thing where you had two non-D1 uh, players sharing the court. You had Freddie Gillespie of the Toronto Raptors before mm-hmm. he transferred and became D1. He was a D3 player, just like Duncan Robinson at Carleton College where I believe he'd averaged 11 points, nine rebounds, and a whole lot of blocks before becoming a D1 player. And I didn't catch the whole story uh, from Matt Devlin tonight, but he had mentioned that he was watching the UNC title game in 2016, and it gave him some motivation or something of the sort, which led him to D1. And obviously our guy, Broderick Thomas from D2, Truman State. Broderick had some great moments earlier in the year. I think he might get one or two games with the Cavs or he'll get a lot of minutes. I think that as long as the Cavs are in the hunt for the play-in, which is going to be the case for at least three or four more weeks, we're going to see the rotation only featuring guys that, that can make plays. You know, Lamar got some first-half minutes. It didn't work. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm happy with where this team is. 19-33 and 33 is not great. But what do we really expect coming in? It's been a tale of 10 seasons weaved into 52 games. Cavs have shown a lot of promise at times. The fact that they could erase a near 38-point deficit without Jared Allen and Larry Nance with a, with a very limited option of bench players. I think that it tells you that the people that are saying fire JB are very clueless. I think that the only issue with him is that he's a little late to change his rotation. Sometimes I think he's finally started to figure that out. And you know what uh, guys, one of the closing points for today, uh, Dan, we'll start with you. Then we'll go to Justin. I think if possible, the rest of this year, Every time 
that one of Garland or Sexton is not on the court, I'd like Delhi to be in with the other guy because I think that when you have Della Vadova as an option with Sexton and then with Garland, just, just him and the other, I think you got two very good decision makers on the court together. So you'll have that at all times. And I think that when either one of them plays with Delhi, I feel like they'll kind of gravitate toward making the right play because they have such a high IQ player to be next to. What do you think about that, Dan? Hmm. Um, yeah, I guess why not? Um, we haven't seen Delhi at all uh, up until what was it, the last five games. So um, it seems like a reasonable take. And defensively, he's, he's uh, clearly not going to be what he was earlier on in his career, but generally does help the point of attack. Um, has good feel at times when they do go zone here and there. Um, and still does contest shots pretty well somehow. And it actually does kind of help defensively, like in kind of in a rebounding sense in a way. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a reasonable statement. Um, I guess prognostication, whatever you want to say. Um, I, I'm okay with it. And it does allow Garland to kind of hunt as a shooter a little bit more. Um, and defensively, as Justin hit on, he really has – nobody lo- loves to really, like, touch on it a lot, um, but has noticeably taken strides there this year, um, especially as um, kind of his off-ball position. I think that was a real issue last year. Um, and I think given that um, and his, his uh, playmaking strides himself, yeah, I'd be, I'd be more than fine with that. As, as long as Delhi, I mean, they can manage how they are with him, um, I, I'd be fine with it. Justin? The question was, should we have, like, two of Delhi, Colin, and Darius on the floor at the same time? At, at all times. I think when the alternatives are Jetty Osman yeah. or Damian Dotson, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unless, uh, unless, the Cavs coaching, is, 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 unless the Cavs coaching staff, you know, decides they want to give Brown Thomas some run, uh, which – Again, if, if, if you want to take a look at him, I think that, you know, go for it. I think that's reasonable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, you, I will not disagree with you. Um, I guess the only other guy in that conversation is this Windler. And, you know, in, before his knee issues, he was pretty much heading out of the rotation along with Jetty. And it is sad to see it. I, 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 we don't have to do a whole deep dive into what Dylan Windler has been as of late. But um, keeping it on the topic of, of Dylan Vidova, yeah, I think – all three of those guys, um, not at the same time, I don't think all three of them on the floor together. No, but, yeah, that, you know, they tried those, it, though. They did try it. I think yeah, it yeah, they did try uh, it. No, no, um, no, no. Ugh. But uh, the, the pairing of any two of them, I think, do work well. Um, again, I think you know, with, with him and Darius, it works well enough um, to where, you know, Darius, it allows Darius to kind of work in an off-ball role a little bit more. Um, neither of them are, like you said, outstanding defenders, but they make it work. And then with Colin, I think it does, you know, kind of similar to playing with Darius, allow him to continue to function off well as well. Um, I, I just think it does, it opens up some things for both of those guys when they play next to a guy like Delhi, who does just move the ball so well. Um, obviously, again, the, the defensive pairing with Sexton and him isn't outstanding, but it, it, it'll work well enough. Um, I think most importantly, it's just looking at the alternatives of Jetty or. Damien Dotson, yeah, 
<laughs> keep keep rolling with Delhi. I like what I've seen so far. Oh yeah, no question, no question. Good to hear Delhi praise all around. I'm excited to see him as he continues to get more comfortable. And guys, we wrap. Let's wrap up tonight with predictions for tomorrow's game. Just a quick matchup setter for you. Brandon Ingram is back for New Orleans after missing five games. He played in their last contest. He's averaging 24, five and five. Zion's averaging 27, seven and four while shooting 62 percent. I know his shots are all at the rim, but a lot of them feature contacts. So the fact that he can shoot 61% is unreal. Lonzo will be out. I, I hope to see some Isaiah Thomas in this one. He struggled through two games, but it's good that he's even on a roster. A guy I worry about is James Johnson. He's going to play less because Ingram and Williamson are both healthy. But just like when he got to Minnesota at last year's deadline, second half of the year, James Johnson without a minutes restriction, as you know, can be lethal. He's averaging two blocks a game off the bench, playing both forward spots. You know, Hernan Gomez could be a little bit of a problem going with Hartenstein, but they're facing Ingram and Zion. We're going to assume that Garland is in just because I've heard nothing about his... Actually, we'll make we'll do both. I'll go first, then pass to, to you, Justin, then Dan, then we'll say goodbye. I'm going to give the Cavs a win. It's going to be a hard matchup. I have no question about that. I think that the Cavs we saw in that period of time where they took a 38-point deficit and got it to 12, I think that's the team we see. I'll say Sexton goes for 30. I'll say that Kevin Love goes for 25 for the first time in the season in about 30 minutes. I think they're going to up his minutes because they haven't played a close game since he's been back. And I'm going to take a win. And if Garland is out, I'll give – I'm going to still ride with the win. Normally when Garland's out, everything falls apart. I think that Delavadova can facilitate a lot enough in 30 minutes of action. Like we saw at the end of last season to get them the victory. So Justin, then Dan, and then uh, goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think tomorrow will be, I, I think just the Zion matchup alone is such a tough one for this team. Uh, and especially knowing that we are going to get a healthy dose of Kevin Love in this game uh, to take up those minutes. I just think they're they're not going to be able to guard him. They weren't able to guard him last time. Uh, it's just I think that'll be a struggle. I think and Zion has been playing great as of late. Uh, my, my gut feeling and I hate to be you know negative here all the time uh, with my prediction here, but um, I I, I kind of feel like right now Garland isn't going to play. Obviously, he left with an ankle injury late tonight. Uh, especially being a back to back, I think the Cavaliers will take the cautious approach and probably start Delhi and just hold out Darius, which I uh, mean, we'll probably see some Damian Dotson lineups tomorrow. Can't wait for that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that they're going to take it easy on Kevin just because again, he's playing in the back-to-back. I think he'll play, but I don't know if we're going to see him up his minutes too much. Uh, and when he is on the floor, uh, again, I, I think if Kevin Love has to take the Zion matchup on defense, I think he's going to stroke quite a bit there. And uh, I, I think the, the Pelicans probably take this one. And uh, Dan, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm with Justin. Um, I, I wouldn't expect Garland to play, frankly. Um, just out of how the Cavs kind of operate, I, I understand, especially with how the condensed uh, schedule has been um, this season. Yeah, I, I'm with him on that just from a matchup standpoint. And um, it just seems like whenever they play him, Stephen Adams gives them a lot of issues, too. Um, dating back to when he was with OKC, too. Um, just, I think he'll be a, a real issue inside. Um, it, with Allen not being in there, I think that, and 
he would probably give him some, some issues anyway and did last time just from a, on the board um and kind of it's just like that impact roller um vertical kind of just presence there um I, I think that'll be an issue and i, I would expect the the pels even without ball in there to be able to run it and gun it a little bit dang yeah i didn't mean to not mention stephen adams just some days he'll score 15 some days he'll have zero of everything yeah. It's been a weird, it's a weird fit in New Orleans. I think it's only going to be for a year. I hope you hope he finds a good home for next season. You know, I could think of plenty of teams that could use a guy mm-hmm. like that. But no, I'm, I'm with all that. It's, it's going to be a fun matchup, no doubt about it. Although Justin, to counter, and then I'll wrap up. Kevin Love did only log 20 minutes tonight, so I do think I could still see the possibility of up to minutes just because they're off till Wednesday after today, and then I'll have a busy end of week. So I could see minute restrictions not being a worry for anybody just because just they have a few days off. But anyway, uh, as we uh, say goodbye, Dan Jelinski of King James Gospel, Justin Math of the Cavalier Central Podcast, I thank you both for joining me tonight. We thank you back, Zach. Uh, appreciate it as always. Always happy to hop on to record. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Thanks a lot, man. Absolutely. And uh, the, the three dittos, a, uh, an homage to how tonight started out with, uh, with Justin's microphone deciding to double up on everything he said. So good job, Dan, with the recollection to Justin's original mic. Uh, we hope you get well soon. And everybody <laughs> that tuned in, thank you. This has been Across the Cavs. Yes, I am Zach. This is the same guy that's been hosting for the last year and a half. Hopefully get some more consistent content for you in the months to come. Plenty happening in the land. Get it all right here.